This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. On today's show, we're going to play catch-up, as we need to do every so often, because we just have such a volume of material we try and go through that we just can't, can't get to all of it. And I want to note uh, that I, I got an email sometime back from a listener in Los Angeles that asked uh, why it is we do all this local kind of stuff. And while it's true, we do, uh, we do talk about some local matters. Uh, we are located, of course, here in the capital of the state of California. But I think uh, no matter where you live, and I know we have a lot of listeners out of state and out of country, uh, you've got a capital somewhere and you've got some local politics somewhere and I forget who said this, but someone once noted that all politics is local. I guess it just depends where you're located. Anyway, uh, yes, we're going to continue to do that on this program because we're not a national show with a national audience, although uh, we, we know that we're heard in a lot of places. But our emphasis is uh, the world at large, and we will continue to try and keep our eye on, uh, on, on the larger sphere, as it were. And do want to thank Donald for his input from, uh, from uh, Southern California. And for that matter, thank all of you who regularly uh, send us emails and occasionally uh, we get a phone call uh, giving us your feedback, which I assure you is very useful. So please don't hesitate to send us an email at info at radioparallax.com. Let us commence today's program as we like to do with On This Date in History which in our case today is December 4th. It was on December 4th in the year 771 that Charlemagne, my ancestor, became the sole ruler of the Frankish Empire. And I want to thank my amateur genealogist cousin Mike for his research that showed our family does go back to Charlemagne. And lest you be overly impressed by that, (laughs) the fact of the matter is that if you have European ancestry, it is a virtual slam dunk that you, too, are descended from Charlemagne. Fact is, the guy left a lot of descendants. On this date in the year 1154, Adrian IV, born Nicholas Breakspear, became the first and so far only English pope. On December 4th in 1791, the oldest Sunday newspaper in the world, that would be Great Britain's Observer, was first published. And you know, we, we have quoted from The Observer and The Independent on this program. So, you know, cheers and happy birthday. On this date in 1808, the Inquisition in Spain was abolished by the French Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte. And while Napoleon wasn't the best in foreign policy, engaging in the entire continent in war as he was prone to do, he did do quite a bit of, uh, quite a number of good things in terms of his domestic policies. Although I'm not sure in this case he was completely effective in rooting out the spirit of the Spanish Inquisition. On this date in 1829, Great Britain banned sati in India, the practice of a widow throwing herself on her husband's funeral pyre, a practice which sadly also has not been completely eliminated from this world. And it was on December 4th in 1977 that Jean Bedel Bocasa ruler of the Central African Republic, which he would later rename the Central African Empire, 
crowned himself emperor in a $100 million ceremony that included one of the royal coaches of the aforementioned Napoleon. Bocasa's delusions of grandeur ended two years later in 1979 when he was deposed. Our quote of the day comes from George W. Bush and is as follows. The biggest regret of all the presidency has to have been the intelligence failure in Iraq. A lot of people put their reputations on the line and said the weapons of mass destruction is a reason to remove Saddam Hussein. It wasn't just people in my administration, a lot of members in Congress prior to my arrival in Washington, D.C. during the debate on Iraq. A lot of leaders of nations around the world were all looking at the same intelligence. And you know, that's not a do-over, but I wish the intelligence had been different, I guess. And no, we don't know what the hell he's talking about. But then in fairness, neither does he. Before he arrived in Washington, weapons of mass destruction discussion? Well, yeah, like when his dad invaded Iraq in 1991, there was some talk of this, and he apparently did have a program to try and gain some. But uh, in the ramp-up to war, as we reported on this program, there was no credible evidence of WMDs. If yours truly knew that without having any special connections to secret government intelligence files, well then, so too should have the president. UN weapons inspectors kept saying, we can't find anything. Low-level intelligence analysts kept saying, this is a ringer. There, aren't, there isn't anything there. In spite of all these claims by Donald Rumsfeld, the president, and, and Dick Cheney, etc., that there's weapons there for sure, you know, slam dunk per George Tenet, in spite of all that, the subsequent evidence showed they had nothing. As Paul Wolfowitz said, that was the issue that they could all agree upon as a selling point to the public. Not that it was based in reality, but that it was the selling point that would sell. Unfortunately, that guy is still in the White House till January 20th. Oh my. And this whole idea of blaming this as an intelligence failure, well, dear listener, you, you know what BS that is. I, I, won't, I won't elaborate. I mean, I think you all know that, don't you? Our quip of the day comes in response to the headline, <laughs> which was all over the media, but I'm quoting from the Sacramento Bee by Dale Kassler. Verdict in, it's a recession. And it's a year old. Now, we poked a lot of fun at the Wall Street Journal, particularly WallStreetJournal.com uh, on this show, simply because the editors of the Wall Street Journal appear to be located on some other planet. But a guy named Charlie, in response to that headline about the verdict being in and it's a recession, <laughs> wrote, Wow, I wonder who these guys think is going to win the election. And of course, here at Radio Parallax, we wanted to dig into this a little more deeply. We've discovered that government analysts have also determined that Benazir Bhutto was assassinated last December. And these same analysts have been able to determine that at the San Francisco Zoo, there was a tiger attack. Now, in truth, this is allegedly not the government that is saying this. This comes from the National Bureau of Economic Research, a private organization in charge of locating the turning points in the business cycle. And I guess they finally got enough turning points amassed for them to be able to make this determination. Of course, my question is, if we have to have a private organization figure this out, um, well, who in the government's minding the store? 
Chris, there is one uh, one news item from last December which we think now has been validated. That was Jimmy Carter's declaration that George W. Bush has been the worst president ever. But I want to take a moment on that. There's been 42 men who've been president of the United States. And since the standard of bad presidents has always been James Buchanan, the man who felt that the president could not act to do anything against slavery nor the impending civil war in the United States, kind of set, you know, a benchmark that's tough to beat. And we're going to come down on the side of James Buchanan actually probably being somewhat worse than W. And since William Henry Harrison, our ninth president, got pneumonia by giving a three-hour speech on a freezing cold day on his inauguration, and then spent a month in bed ridden with pneumonia before dying, it's hard to say that he was better than W. So it is the official position of this radio program that of the 42 presidents that have held office in this great land, George Bush is 40th from the top of the class. You know, which does kind of remind me of that scene from Animal House where Dean Wormer has uh, the five boys into his office and looks at Larry Kroger and says, Mr. Kroger, two C's, two D's, and an F. 1.2. Congratulations, Kroger. You're the top of the Delta House pledge class. But anyway, we always want to be fair, and we can't say that it's definitive that Bush has been the worst ever. But then again, let's see what pops out once he leaves office and enters the afterlife, and some things maybe crawl out from under the rug. We got a feeling there's going to be some unpleasant surprises. Our joke of the day comes from a website we can highly recommend to you. It's called dickopedia.org and contains some rather hilarious Wikipedia-style biographies. The one we've chosen today is that of Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia. According to Dickopedia, Scalia was born in Trenton, New Jersey and attended the prestigious Xavier High School, a Catholic and Jesuit school in Manhattan. It's unknown whether Scalia was abused by any of the Catholic priests he studied under, but, as some legal scholars have noted, the effects of such abuse might be a possible explanation for his otherwise puzzling legal theories. After graduating from Georgetown University, Scalia went on to study law at Harvard Law School. Harvard is considered by many to be a good school. It is one of many good schools. And there are many Harvard graduates who realize that attending Harvard does not necessarily make you the smartest person in the room. Scalia is not this sort of Harvard graduate. And you know, by the way, I had a chance to finally take in Recount, the HBO special. Another thing I can highly recommend to you. Very well done um, motion picture with Kevin Spacey. Although Laura Dern almost walks off with the performance of the film for her portrayal of Katherine Harris... But uh, no, highly recommended, scrupulously accurate, and I, and I had to admit, when I saw the Antonin Scalia scene at the end, uh, near the end, where he was explaining why it was the Supreme Court took the case, contrary to the expectations of everyone in the country, who assumed that the federal authorities would not inject themselves into a state matter, an election, I was reminded of that remarkable judgment of Scalia that uh, the reason they had to take this case was that it, it might cause there to be doubt about the presidency of George W. Bush if they were to go ahead and then cast doubt on that. And I'm sure I haven't gotten his wording exactly correct, but the basic unsoundness of his reasoning is there. 
And, uh, you know, for any legal scholars out there, any any lawyers, would you please uh, take a look at that? And, and now that it's eight years later and our pain is almost over and just, you know, revisit that. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for Blessed Silence. After professional antagonist Ann Coulter injured herself in a fall and had to have her jaw wired shut. Frankly, it it couldn't happen to a nicer pundit. It was, conversely, a bad week for the Christmas season last week, when, as reported by the New York Times, that at a Walmart on Long Island, Digimai Damour, who apparently was a man hired as a maintenance worker from a temp agency, was attempting to restrain the prospective patrons at 5 a.m. on what's called Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Apparently there were so many eager shoppers lined up to get the DVDs, flat panel television sets, and other entertainment items sure to be discounted that they broke down the front door, trampled Mr. Damore, and uh, killed him. Yes, we're huge fans of Walmart on this program. But, but no, even we're stunned by this one. Apparently, reporters went out to the Walmart the day after and noted that many shoppers were aware of the man's death and were appalled that shoppers had not stopped to help him as he lay on the ground, but instead surged into the store seeking bargains. And if that wasn't bad enough, it was an ugly week this past week for the Catholic Church when it leaked out that a Roman Catholic priest in Modesto, California, told parishioners they should confess if they voted for Barack Obama because the president-elect supports abortion rights. In an interview with the Modesto Bee, the Reverend Joseph Elo said he sent a letter out to, to parishioners because Catholic teaching requires that people go to confession when they commit a mortal sin. The bishop of the Stockton Diocese disagreed with the priest. The bishop said that Catholics should not be compelled to disclose how they voted to their priest. What was I saying earlier about Napoleon and the Spanish Inquisition? And we can't resist this item from the Only in America file. Apparently, the Albuquerque Police Department is running classified ads in newspapers to recruit informants. The Help Wanted ad invites, quote, people who hang out with crooks, unquote, to, quote, make some extra cash, unquote, by sharing information with the police. And apparently by sharing information with the cops, you can earn up to $50 for drug crime information and $700 for murder. And the ad assures potential applicants their resumes won't be scrutinized. Drug use and criminal record? Okay, says the ad. Is this a great country or what? And here's an item I I simply cannot resist. comes from Scientific American, a reprint from the Journal of the American Medical Association. I'm going to read this one verbatim. The actual benefits of intensive psychotherapy have long been controversial. Now, investigators report that such therapy can be effective against chronic mental problems, such as 
anxiety, and depression. Yes, after studying 23 different studies involving over a thousand patients who received long-term psychodynamic therapy, which seeks clues into the unconscious roots of disorders and focuses on the relationship between the patient and the therapist, well, they thought, my God, there might be something to this. Let's see, Sigmund Freud started this when? And it's taking a study in 2008 to determine that it, this, this may actually have some value? Ladies and gentlemen, if that isn't a ringing endorsement, I just don't know what is. And, and when you get a chance, ask your shrink about that one. Because one of my favorite moments from medical school was the lecture we were given in the psychiatry section where the psychiatrist brought his patient in, and the psychiatrist uh, impressed us all by his patent leather pants. His patient explained she'd been going to him for 16 years and was very satisfied with the results, prompting Bob Hoover from the back of the room to raise his hand and, and ask, well, if this stuff is so good, how come you need to keep coming back after 16 years? And what I savor the most about this was the long, pregnant pause that filled the room after that question. And I know I'm kind of hard on psychotherapists on this program, but, you know, it's, it's a difficult feel, and, I, and, I, and I'm glad that some people are out there trying to do what they can to battle anxiety and depression. But folks, it ain't anything even approaching a science. But in fairness, that can be said about most of medicine. As the show uh, continues, we're going to try and talk about some of uh, what's going on as Team Obama comes together. And what we think the president-elect needs to do, we're in fact going to devote some time on, I think, next week's program to that exact topic. But another guy was sounding off recently, and I feel the need to quote from him. This is from uh, My View, a viewpoint published in the Sacramento Bee. The author was Phil Angelides, the unsuccessful uh, Democratic candidate for governor who was steamrolled by Arnold Schwarzenegger a couple years back. The title of his essay was New Strategy to Rally Nation Under Green Flag. In fact, I would recommend all English teachers, political scientists from the high school level on up to get a hold of this essay. Take a look at it, give it to your students, and see if anyone over the age of 12 fails to see what a load of hot air this essay is. After Mr. Angelides gives some platitudes about, uh, you know, Clean energy isn't a mirage. It's the fastest-growing industrial sector in the United States. Blah, blah, blah. Noting, it's time for America to quit bailing and to start building. That's why the Apollo Alliance this month unveiled the new Apollo program, a comprehensive clean energy job-generating strategy to restore America's economic strength. He goes on. This 10-year, $500 billion investment plan aims to create 5 million new jobs while helping to solve the climate crisis, the energy crisis, and the economic crisis facing our nation. We're glad he resisted not throwing in cold fusion and the fact that after just 30 days, you're guaranteed to lose 40 pounds or more. Angelides goes on, recalling President John F. Kennedy's bold commitment to put a man on the moon by the end of the 1960s, the Alliance is taking its plan to town hall meetings across the nation to build the popular support that will help President-elect Barack Obama and Congress launch America toward a clean energy future. Angelides is, is a really, he's quite a green fellow. 
I recommend uh, anyone in the Sacramento region to check out the giant flow of traffic coming out of his project, Laguna, south of Sacramento, which he touted as being very environmentally friendly in, in spite of all contemporaneous and subsequent evidence to the contrary. Anyway, this is a showstopper. It goes on and on and on with a bunch of hollow phrases. And, and not mentioned in his text anywhere, but revealed in the caption under his photo, is the fact that Phil Angelides is the chairman of the board of directors of the Apollo Alliance. And you know, for my money, that coincidence is just a bit suspicious about his objectivity in this essay. And among Mr. Angelides' other bright ideas, he's planning to take the area off of... I-80, that, that, that green patch between the downtown and Cal Expo, and put hundreds of housing units in there without any access to the freeway so they'll all drive through the neighborhood coming to and fro. And on that note, I think we really do need to take a break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Stay tuned. We're caught in a trap. I can't walk out Because I What you do? 